helping to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. This is the Constitution Study on the America Out Loud Network with your host, Paul Engel. Paul Engel here, the Constitution Study. Happy Memorial Day. I'm glad you could join me today. Now today, well today's a special day. day. It's, it's, it should be. See, the word memorial literally means that which preserves the memory of something. Anything that serves to keep in memory. And that's what this day is all about. Once a year, America sets aside a day, a day to preserve a memory of those who have given the, the last full measure of devotion to this country. This day, this day of memory is, in many cases, been relegated to, well, a simple holiday, a day off of work, a chance for a cookout. Now, for some of us, it'll be a time for parades and decorating uh, cemeteries. But regardless of how you treat this day, it is a day to remember the honored dead, those who gave their lives so that we could live free. I think we owe it to them and to our families and to ourselves to honor their sacrifice and do all that we can to secure the blessings of liberty for everyone. Now, if you look around this this country, if you look on the nation, you'll find you'll find statues. We'll find cemeteries. Uh, we'll find we'll find holidays, and these are all w- ways to honor the things that we want to remember. Uh, take a tour of Washington D.C. It is covered with memorials for everything from uh, our founding fathers and civic leaders to war heroes from World War II to Vietnam. Some of our most hallowed ground is dedicated to those who gave their lives for our freedom. Arlington National Cemetery, the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, and the Gettysburg Battlefield are just a few of the cemeteries where we honored those who died in battle. But by far, I believe, the most honored memorial, the place that should be of highest regard, is the memorial that the American people hold in their heart. See, millions of Americans may visit our memorials and our cemeteries every year, but it seems to me we're it's a, having a harder and harder time trying to find the memorials in our hearts. What happens when we cede that hallowed place in our hearts, when we no longer preserve the memory of those who gave their lives for us? You know, Thomas Paine wrote in the American Crisis, he said, What we obtain too cheaply, we esteem too lightly. It is the dearness only that gives everything its value. I think we've lost some touch with the cost of our liberty as a whole, as a people. It seems we esteem it too lightly because it didn't cost us anything. I admit, I have never worn the uniform. I I never volunteered to serve in that that capacity. I've, I've had friends and family that have. I have not. 
but I've also been blessed by the fact that I don't have a family member that we lost in a military conflict, not in a war or any other conflict since. Yes, I've had relatives that have gone to war. My father had two uncles that served in World War II. I had an uncle that served in Vietnam, and it changed them, but they came home. I have to wonder, am I an example of a generation that have obtained our rights and our liberties too cheaply? I think of what it cost me. Could, could it be that's why we're seeing fewer and fewer Americans see the value in things like their freedom of speech or, or their right to privacy? What will it take for the American people to hold these rights dearly again? Will, as Thomas Paine say, will it be something that we have that costs us a lot? That's something we'll have to find out. No, sure, we've had our wars, but let's face it, there's been relatively little impact on the homeland. Sure, we had 9-11, but uh, that, the, the fears after that were, were, were relatively unfounded. I think it's not since the Cold War, with its imminent threat of, of nuclear annihilation, since the American people have had any real, tangible fear of a foreign enemy. Now, that's not to say that there aren't dangers and threats to the Republic, enemies both foreign and domestic. It just seems that those threats are not taken seriously. Sure, we may gripe and complain, but there aren't very many men heading down to the recruitment office to sign up, are they? And just how many Americans would be willing to give up their soft, cushy lives to protect their own rights? I believe recent history shows that not nearly as many as we thought. Since we have not fought for our rights, it seems we're more than willing to not only lose them, but to live to literally give them away, all for the false promise of prosperity. Now, personally, this time of year, I like to rewatch programs like Band of Brothers or Saving Private Ryan. They remind me of the sacrifices made so that I could be born in a free country. I also like to watch uh, Taking Chance to see. Uh, a glimpse into how the military honors those who die in our service. Perhaps you prefer All Quiet on the Western Front, or Hacksaw Ridge, or even Zero Dark Thirty. The point is, all of these movies give audiences an idea of what we put our soldiers through and how we treat our honored dead. Now, While these movies may seem graphic, well, so is war. While the deaths we see on the screen are fictional, we seem to have lost touch with the true cost of the real battles and the lives lost and destroyed. All of this done to protect the Constitution from those enemies so that we could use it to protect our rights. To me, it sounds like uh, we've come down to a, a pretty weak memorial to those who gave their lives for our rights. And again, after 9-11, it seemed people across the country were thanking everyone in uniform or wearing a veteran's cap for their service. And that was a good thing. Men and women buying coffee and meals for servicemen and women wherever we found them. And to those I've talked to, they appreciate that, the recognition. See, we did what we could to honor their service. But sometimes, I don't know, to me that just doesn't seem to be enough. After all, what did it cost us? A few dollars? 
a couple of minutes of our time? Maybe just a little bit of embarrassment? On Veterans Day, we remember those who have served with a thank you and maybe a parade. But Memorial Day is supposed to be for those who died for our freedom. Can the American people not find room in their hearts to remember these men and women who gave so much so that we could live free? I'm reminded of the words of the signers of the Declaration of Independence, the words they used to close that document. And for the support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. Perhaps today, on this Memorial Day, we the people should make our own pledge to the dead. Pledging our lives is not simply being willing to die, but willing to live as a free people, not dependent on others, especially government, for our everyday lives. We are the wealthiest people in history. Even the poor in America live in more square footage and have more conveniences than the average European. We should pledge our fortunes to support rights and liberty, and not just our own, but of others as well. We must, we must pledge to, to each other that on our sacred honor we will support those who stand for truth and justice, even if it costs us our lives and our fortunes. See, if we wish to honor the dead this Memorial Day, I can think of no better way to do so than to pledge my life, my fortune, and my sacred honor to the causes of rights and liberties. But I have a question. Will you join me? Because that really is the question. It's not will an individual, one person, stand up and pledge to do the work. There are plenty of people across this country who've stood up and pledged to do something for rights and liberty. Some of them have, have dedicated their lives to this work. There's a tremendous amount of work to be done in gathering and disseminating information and trying to organize people. I'm, I'm amazed sometimes by the number of organizations, each trying to do their part to help secure liberty. And of course, the fortune is part of it. There is a lot of cost to doing this. There's a lot of cost to doing this radio program to doing the, the website and the articles and the videos and all the other content, to traveling this country to teach or to putting on events online. There's a lot of people that are dedicating their fortune to the, the, uh, the concept of freedom and liberty, to independence. I think of the number of, of pro bono law firms that can only do the work they do because people have dedicated a portion of their fortune to fund these agencies, these groups, so that those who don't have the fortune still get a chance to have their rights protected. And I know this idea of honor, of a sacred honor, it seems to be slipping away in America. But I still believe in the idea of, of, of honor. And I know there are others out there that do as well. And they work hard and they dedicate themselves to doing what is right. But it seems we all seem to be doing it alone. 
if not individually, our small groups just all seem to be alone. It's almost like we've pledged to ourselves our lives, our fortune, and our sacred honor, but we haven't pledged to each other our lives and fortune and sacred honor. So on this day of memory, this Memorial Day, I ask you to consider, what would you pledge for your freedom, for your rights, for your liberty? What about those of your children and your grandchildren and generations to come? What will you pledge that they may be free, that they may live independent of a controlling and ruling government? What will you pledge in order to help protect their ability to live their lives as they see fit? Because that's really what this is all about. From the Declaration of Independence today, it's about the ability to live independent of others, free from unnecessary external influence, to live our lives as we see fit. And those young men and young women who went off and fought and were willing to, and many of them did, die in order to protect our right, to defend our Constitution and our ability to use it to keep our government in check so that we could live free, to, to protect us from those enemies, both foreign and domestic, that would subjugate us to a, a level of serfdom. They gave their lives so that we could live free. I think it's incumbent on us to maybe do a bit more. Now, I don't know what you do. I don't know what your habits are. I don't know what your traditions are. Uh, and, and ultimately, the decision is up to you. I can only tell you this. This time of year, I am always reminded that men and women have fought and bled and died so that I could live in a country that was free. I think that sacrifice warrants me doing a little more than cooking dogs and burgers, than, than showing up every couple of years and, and checking a box on a voting machine. I believe it's worthy that I be engaged. And I hope there are those out there that would agree with me that that is something we, we owe the honored dead, that we can memorialize them in our hearts by remembering them. But we truly honor them in our hearts and we honor their sacrifices only when we too do what we can to secure the freedom and liberty, not just of ourselves, but of others. Now, I hope one of the things you'll consider, I hope you'll head to the website, constitutionstudy.com. That is part of my, my sacrifice, is the work I do, the time and effort I put into that. And I hope you'll learn some more, and I hope it will encourage you. And if you have some ideas, I'm always willing to listen. If you have some questions, you can ask them there as well. Now, speaking of pledging our fortunes, one of the groups that helps support the Constitution Study here on the radio is Healthy Cell. They are a leading innovator in supplements designed to boost your health at the cellular level. They've got a lot of great products. One that I use regularly is their Immune Super Boost. It, cover, it combines over a dozen immune supplements into a single travel-ready gel pack. 
They're designed to boost your immune system. When you're on the road, like I am some uh, frequently, it's easy to get run down, to come home ill with the, we used to call it the crud. Well, immune super boost helps. Now, as an America Out Loud listener, Healthy Cell will give you 25% off your very first order. All you have to do is use the code OUTLOUD at checkout. So please head to HealthyCell.com, put your card together, whatever you find interesting. When you check out, use that code OUTLOUD. It lets them know that you listen to America Out Loud. As a thank you, you get 25% off your first order. And as we finish the Navy hymn, I'll be right back after these messages. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn, and the harder you try, the harder it is to drift off. And today's fast-paced digital age makes it tougher. You're not alone. Poor sleep affects over 70% of us. The CDC even labeled insufficient sleep a public health epidemic. Advanced nutrition company Healthy Cell created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deep, and wake refreshed. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep using calming herbs, amino acids, and sleep hormone support. Over a thousand reviews with an average star rating of over 4.4 proves it works. Take back your sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. We know you love the versatility and portability of the Genesis Fogger, but sometimes you just want to set it and forget it. Well, we heard you. Introducing the UX4 HOCL Atomizer. This stationary unit quietly protects you and is perfect for smaller spaces. With over a quarter million units sold in Japan, it's now available in the United States. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to see the UX4 in action and receive a 15% discount on either Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-term effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. Fortunately, Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at the wellness company designed their spike support formula with the miracle enzyme natokinase, scientifically studied to dissolve spike protein so you can feel your very best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Welcome back, Everyday Americans, to rejoin the Constitution study. And, you know, again, being Memorial Day, I, I want to honor all the armed services by playing their songs as we go in and out of break. Uh, hopefully you noticed we started, we had the Army at the beginning of the first segment. We had the Navy going out of the first segment. Obviously, here we have the Air Force. And there's actually now six services, six branches of the military that I have hymns for. So uh, we'll do the the Marines next, and then we'll do the, the Coast Guard and now the Space Force. But I think it's 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 kind of it's my little honor to them. It's my little tribute to say, yes, we remember those who serve as we remember those who die. And I always want to remember 
as we are remembering those who die, I want to remember what they died for. You know, they didn't die for the president. They didn't die for for uh, some uh, uh, amorphous thing. They pledged an oath to the Constitution, and they fought and they died for freedom and liberty. I hope they considered it worthy of their sacrifice that the people of America would live free. And uh, as we remember them, I want to I want to take a little bit of time and look at some examples of the the work that's being done, the the the, the strides that are being made to make sure that we the people continue to live free. Now, one of the things that's been going around the country lately, there's been more and more reports, are these ideas of uh, parental rights. Uh, there's been legislation, parental bill of rights, rights, all sorts of things that are designed to reinforce a, a parent's role as, as a parent, as the, the overseer of their child's life, the, the respon- those responsible for their, their health, their welfare, their education. That it is not uh, the government. They're not. They don't become part of the village. You know, it's not like it was a cringe Jean Pierre. They're all of our kids. No, the parents have rights. Now, as a community, I believe there's a lot we can do to help parents raise their children. But ultimately, it's still they're the parent's child. Uh, there's a, a a friend of ours. Uh, he has a a, a, sm- a small child. Uh, I think she's a one and a half now. She's between one and one and a half. Cute little kid. And at the moment, mom's not in the picture. Mom has some health issues that are being dealt with, and he's having to deal with, with all of this on his own. And that's a spot where I can I can step in and help. Now, there's, let's face it, there's not a lot I can do, but I can do what I can from watching the, 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 the youngin every so often, just taking her off his hands so he can breathe for a minute. That's a simple little thing. But in no way, shape, or form am I trying to replace the role of the parent. You know, one of the states where these, these uh, parental rights bills have been coming, been coming forth is, uh, is New Hampshire. Um, they are, they've been proposed in the state legislature. And, and back in April, more than 200 people turned out in support of this legislation. Now, what's interesting is the, uh, the sponsor. Um, or, or Senator uh, Dan Ines, he said these bills are being labeled as anti-trans, but nothing could be further from the truth. What they are is pro-family, pro-child. He went on to say their purpose is to put these major life decisions, major life changes where they belong, and that's in the family between the parents and the children. And I think that's right. Now, teachers and administrators and unions and, and, and some of the LGBT groups, say they've decided that, no, parents, they don't have that right. It's dangerous to allow parents to make the decision. Why, even informing them that their child is, is having some questions and is seeking or is trying to make changes is dangerous. And, and to me, that's just that's the antithesis of freedom and liberty. That's saying the state gets to decide what is right. Now, as a again, as a father, but just as an American, unless the child is in imminent harm, danger of harm, and I mean physical harm, we're not talking. Well, they'll feel good and, and they may commit suicide. 
that's a lot of ifs and maybes. But unless the parents are actually harming the child, the state should not be the one interfering. They should not be getting in the way. I think we've become too dependent on government agencies to take care of our children. And in doing so, they've gotten the crazy idea that they become the parents. Now, the easiest way to dissuade them of that is for parents to actually start acting like parents. And I think it's an important step, these, these parental rights uh, legislation. But there's another thing that's coming up, the school choice. And there's been more and more states, was it Indiana, Montana, South Carolina? Um, these are just some of the states where school choice is, um, ha have been passed. Now, I, I want to tell you, I'm, I'm not totally settled about a lot of this school choice legislation. And again, I haven't read through all of them. I don't know the details of all of them. But here's the concern that I, that I have. You see, if we're talking about school choice, we're talking about the state allowing the parents to make the choice, but you're still dealing with the government determining what choices will be allowed. See, with, with government money comes government strings. So we're, with all of these, these bills, and again, I believe school choice is better than no school choice. Let me make that clear. The idea that the, the, the government determines where you go to school because of the zip code you live in is asinine. So I, I'm much, if we're going to have government funding of education, then putting the choice in the hands of the parent is a good thing. I, I, I absolutely agree. That's, that's why I said I have mixed feelings about it because I want parents to have that choice. I'm just concerned that if we start bringing government money into these different schools, into the different educational process, then that money will soon be followed by the strings and the government once again telling us what you know, turning turning more and more schools into de facto government schools because the government is is funding the process. Now that said, there are a lot of different ways that, that states are going about the, the school choice. Um, one is uh, what they call education savings accounts. Um, the or similar policies where um, the the money is is set aside for the child, and then the parent gets to choose. The family gets to choose how that money is spent, where the child is sent, um, as opposed to like say maybe a voucher where um, you know give the kid here a voucher. You have you know one semester of schooling, and you turn that into whatever school you want. There's a lot of different versions of it. So on the one hand, I am glad to see choices taken away from government and being given to parents and families. I just want to I just have some concerns, some qualms about the impact of the government money on those schools as it starts rolling in. Will these schools become dependent on the the government money and simply become again de facto government schools? And while you have a choice, it's all choices you know, from the same thing. You know, if, it's, if you can choose from column A, column B, and column C, but all of those, have, all the columns are exactly the same, you have a choice, but it's not a meaningful one. Now, I saw this other article, and, and I'm going to take a little different twist on it. 
Uh, it came out of the Epic Times, and uh, it talked about a Gallup poll that was taken between April 3rd and April 25th that said uh, roughly three-quarters of the American people surveyed say that the economy is getting worse under Biden. Now, you say, well, Paul, what what would be the... My big deal is is to realize while Biden isn't helping, Biden certainly is is part of the problem. The majority of our economic issues were not Biden. They didn't come from from the White House. They came from Capitol Hill. Well, for example, uh, uh, Biden, when uh, Silicon Valley Bank uh, went belly up, yes, it was a Biden administration that decided to effectively ensure uninsured accounts right the, the the under the fdic they were insured up to 200 each account was insured up to 150,000 $250,000 biden said no we're going to pay them all off uh by the way that was fraud and embezzlement um to me that's a high crime uh he should have been impeached over it not surprised he wasn't that is something that biden has done to make things worse his incessant push to um to uh, was it to forgive student loans, uh, his abuse of, of of the not just the federal employees with their um, with their lockdowns, shutdowns and, and mandates, but trying to push that on to the the private sector as well. Those are all Biden's fault. But let's face it, we're dealing with a debt ceiling crisis, not because Biden is spending money, but because Congress is spending money. Remember. Not a dime can be taken out of the U.S. Treasury except on appropriations from Congress. Congress is the one spending us into oblivion. Congress is the one that's been borrowing like crazy. And while Biden, everyone focuses on the fight between McCarthy and Biden, um, that's really kind of a, a that, that's missing the point. You need legislation. And the House has passed legislation and the, the Senate has not. Long before it gets to the president's desk, there's a, the Congress has to come to terms with this issue. And, and I have some more stuff about the debt ceiling I want to talk about later. But I want us to understand that the, 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 the level of debt, the amount of spending, the amount of taxes, these don't originate with any president. They originate with Congress. And, and many of the, uh, the policies that have brought us to, let's say, the brink of financial ruin, they started in Congress. Now, they may have been encouraged by different presidents, but the legislation came out of Congress, which is why I find it almost hilarious. Again, another Epoch Times issue talking about the, the, the debt ceiling and the fact that um, the Biden uh, administration, Biden refuses or refused to negotiate. Biden doesn't have to negotiate. You start with legislation. The House passed legislation. The House should be negotiating with the Senate. But it just kind of shows how warped and twisted our understanding of government has become to believe that it's the that that it's a political issue between uh, Speaker McCarthy because he's a Republican and pre the President Biden because he's a Democrat. This issue should be dealt with in Congress, and the fact that the President meddles, well, I'm not surprised. But it's part of our misunderstanding that that kind of destroys this idea of um, freedom and liberty. 
we've turned over responsibility to government. And in fact, we've actually turned the president almost into a king in the way we treat him. You know, the, he can create things by, by executive order. Forget the, you know, the, the uh, legislative process. That he gets to decide whether or not um, the, the, the debt ceiling legislation we signed. He, he's the one that negotiates, not the House and the Senate, not the legislative body. Not the deliberative body. These ideas are, are are part of, I think, what's where we're losing this concept of of our freedoms and liberties and rights because we don't understand how how our government works anymore. And I think of all the men and women who died, so that we the people have a say in legislation. We directly hire representatives for the House. After the the Seventeenth Amendment in nineteen thirteen, we the people directly hire representatives for the Senate, for the state in the Senate. But we have a president who, by the way, is not elected by the people. He's elected by the states. Yes, you get to vote on how your state's going to apportion the representatives, but that's not the same as voting for president. We're putting it all into one man's hands, and that's dangerous. One, it's the, the, the accumulation of power in a single person is extremely, extremely dangerous. But it's also the, the breakdown of the separation of powers that, um, that were created for this country. And, and I think, again, all of the men and women that fought and died to preserve the Constitution, and we're sitting here watching while the, the Constitution is being scrubbed of all its meaning, of all its, its pathos, because we can't be bothered to spend any time learning it, much less learning how to how to use it. It's one of the reasons why I've created the Constitution Study Patriots is, is I'm looking for, for ways to help people recognize this tool that we have, this toolkit we have in the Constitution. Tools designed to protect rights and freedoms and liberties. And they seem to be just rusting in the box because you don't want to pick them up and use them. And I think if, ever, if if fighters from the Revolutionary War to Afghanistan were to look back and say, sure, we're going to fight and bleed and die in order to protect the Constitution and your right to, to self-government, and they look at us as we turn over our self-government to bureaucrats and, and, and aristocrats, a, a ruling class, maybe they'd have second thoughts about willing to sacrifice so much if we were just going to wad it up and throw it away or just set it aside and ignore it because it might actually take a little bit of effort and a little work. I would like to honor the ladies and gentlemen who've sacrificed for this country by learning more about the Constitution. Paul, you're a Constitution scholar. Yeah, there's always more I can learn. And I want to help other people do that as well. Now, if you're interested in the Patriots program, go to constitutionstudy.com slash Patriots. You can find out more about it. Sign up for updates. Uh, there haven't been many updates yet. Uh, I'm hoping that's going to change as we get closer to Independence Day, and hopefully the boot camp will be coming out. Um, that's all coming. But that's one of the ways I've decided to honor those who gave their lives for our freedom. I, may, I hope some of you will join me. And I hope all of you will go out and find your own ways of honoring them.
Now, I, I hope you all realize that, you know, the Constitution study is only one of many voices here heard on the America Out Loud talk radio. So please do like I do. I go to AmericaOutloud.com every day to find the latest news and happenings, and then I share it. I spend a, a fair chunk of my morning going through and posting, making social media posts of the different the stories and the articles and the podcasts and the videos, some of them from America Out Loud, some from others. But by doing that, by finding this information, by sharing it, we can not only honor those who gave their lives for our freedom, but we can also do our part to share the blessings of liberty. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow that said, lives of great men all remind us we can make our lives sublime and departing, leave behind us footprints on the sands of time. America Out Loud Talk Radio, the liberty and justice for all. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. The Wellness Company's chief medical board designed every supplement and medical protocol with your health in mind. From groundbreaking supplements like the Spike Support Formula to unique care like freedom from Big Pharma. Join a healthcare system that puts your health and well-being above the interest of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be, with a company that shares your values. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. If you're like me, you'd like life to return to some kind of normal. You're burned out on all the fear-mongering, but deep down you try and minimize viral exposure and your risk of getting sick. You've heard it talked about time and again by respected medical professionals. Use a pulvinone iodine nasal solution. I don't need to tell you just how powerful a nasal cleansing formula with xylitol, pulvinone iodine, and vitamin D3 for immune support could be. In fact, my attorney told me not to tell you. Google it and find out for yourself. Now, get yourself a bottle of American-made Cofix RX nasal solution. Let's get out and live again. CofixRx.com. That's C-O-F-I-X-R-X.com. Use coupon code OUTLOUD and get 20% off. So here's Welcome back, Everyday Americans. I hope you enjoyed the, the Coast Guard song. I welcome you back here to the Constitution Study. And today we are honoring, we are remembering those who died in service of our country. And we've been doing so not simply in direct memory, but also are we defending what they fought and died for? Are, are we defending our rights and our liberty? Are we protecting the Constitution 
the 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 way they gave their lives to. I mean, they gave their lives for freedom and liberty. What are we doing to do our part? I've looked at a couple of examples, uh, but here's one article that um, again I'm going to take a little different look at it. This one came out of I read this out of the Tennessee Star. And it says, a closer look at the months leading up to the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank, the second largest bank collapse in history, shows that regulators saw the warning signs since last year, but did not step in. And this is an idea, I, I rail against it regularly, and I, 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 I hope you'll see what I'm talking about. See, for some reason, we have this, this idea that, oh, well, you see, there were regulators looking at this. The government was looking at this. They should have taken care of it. It's all, you know, why? It's, I can't understand why. Why did the regulators not do anything? Because they're people. So I keep telling people that just because someone gets a government paycheck or has a government ID or, or some fancy government title doesn't mean they're not human. It doesn't mean that they're not going to make mistakes. Um, that may have, some of them may be have, have corrupt agendas. Uh, some of them may just be unwilling to do their job. Having something regulated by the government doesn't mean that malfeasance never happens. It just means it takes the government either participating or turning its back for it to happen. So when they they do these investigations and they say. Uh, uh, the San Francisco Fed appears to have failed to adequately supervise SVB and respond to the bank's mismanagement, ultimately leading to SVB's seizure by federal regulators. Understand, it was the assumption that is the role of the Fed, the the federally the government created Federal Reserve Central Bank, to oversee to supervise all of our banks. You do realize what that means. That means in the eyes of many Americans today, the banking sector is not private. It is supervised by government regulators. And remember, the Federal Reserve is just, is just one of those regulators. There's all sorts of, of federal regulation. And let me ask you, how has that worked out for you? Has that taken care of all of our problems? Is it really... Uh, the role of the federal government to protect us from all the bad actors. Sadly, that's what a lot of people seem to think, at least based on what I'm reading and, and, and what people talk to me about, is that's the federal government's uh, job to take care of things. Well, I want to go back to this debt limit qu uh, question because, to me, that's an example of how leaving government in control of something really makes a mess. Now, yes, Congress has the authority to borrow money on the credit of the United States. And I believe our founding fathers thought these would be honorable men that would not be so ridiculous, so um, uh, flagrantly abusive of their power. Now, in this whole debt ceiling debacle, there's been a lot of, well, let's say questionable statements at best. And uh, the Daily Signal, they put a list together of seven uh, claims that, well, let's just say they're not true. <laughs> right? uh, there's been a lot of claims that the Republicans won't negotiate um, and therefore America will hit the debt ceiling. Well, that's plainly not true. Not only have the Republicans been, been willing and asking to negotiate, the Republicans actually um, passed a debt, in the House at least, passed debt ceiling legislation. 
they've, they've actually passed legislation. It, it means it's, it's now the Senate should be working on it. And of course, the Senate's going to have their own ideas, and then they get to reconcile that in committee. But see, we're not bothering to do that. One of the most ridiculous ones is this idea that that uh, the president can raise the debt ceiling unilaterally because of a provision of the 14th Amendment. All right? That's just plain stupid. Uh, that goes beyond, uh, well, you know, I'm not quite sure. That's not vague at all. That's just that's what, what I call plain out stupid. See, Section 4 of the 14th Amendment says, The validity of the public debt of the United States authorized by law, including debts incurred for payment of pensions and bounties for services in suppressing insurrection or rebellion, shall not be questioned. That's authorized by law. Right now, by law, the debt limit is, what, $31.4 trillion. Until the law is passed that changes that, there ain't nothing Biden can do. And actually, if he does try to do that, uh, again, another impeachable offense. How many do we need before we actually start doing something? Uh, they point out that the Republicans gave Donald Trump a clean debt limit increase. Therefore, if Trump got one, we should get one. Um, all right, that one's stupid because it's not the president that gets the debt limit. You know, remember, it's Congress that passes the the, the legislation. The, the president can sign or not sign, but we're still back to the debt limit. And again, the fact that they that the Republicans were dumb enough to give any president a debt limit without some sort of of spending restraint. And again, they don't give it to the president. Even I fall in the trap. The fact that they were willing to pass a debt limit increase without some sort of spending controls in the past, just because you were dumb enough to do that before doesn't mean they should do that again. Uh, who is it? Here's the other one. Uh, that Biden reduced the deficit by $1.7 trillion. Um, okay, that one is, is, is well, we'll call that one misleading, right? Because he reduced it $1.7 trillion after it went up $6 trillion. You see, between the, the end of the Trump administration, beginning of the Biden administration, the deficit went up by more than $6 trillion. Now, I'm telling you, if you go to the store, now maybe this is the way it works. Maybe that's why I, why I don't understand shopping. If you go to the store and you spend $6 trillion and they give you $1.7 trillion back, you didn't make $1.7 trillion. Well, unless I guess you're in Washington. But it's this understanding that um, the uh, of the, the 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 process and the debt limit, our lack of understanding. Understand, you know what do they say? The the borrower is slave to the lender. We are enslaved by our debt because we now make decisions, policy decisions, foreign and domestic policy decisions based on who holds the debt. And the the what those policies will do to interest rates, which has an impact of what interest we're going to pay on our debt. You see how our freedom is being whittled away by our unwillingness to have our employees in Congress actually show some fiscal responsibility. And speaking of responsibility, while Treasury Secretary Yellen has been out saying June 1st, it's the apocalypse, right? Uh, we're going to default on our debts on June 1st. Well, first of all, it's a bald-faced lie. Um, the United States still takes in more in taxes every month than it has to pay in interest on the debt. So those debt payments that need to be made, we can pay out of the taxes that we collect 
each and every month. That does mean there are other things you're not going to be able to pay for. But then again, since most of those things are not authorized by the Constitution and they're paid for fraudulently anyway, um, maybe that's not such a bad idea. I know it's going to hurt a lot of people. I'm sorry. You got lied to. You got taken. You got conned. And that means there's going to be pain. But now, apparently, there has been a, a release of some minutes from the uh, the Fed's Open Market Committee meeting uh, saying, uh, yeah, June 1st is probably not the, the doomsday we've been talking about. That, that because of the, 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 the volatility of the notes that, and bills that, that, that are coming up to be paid, um, it may actually be several weeks later. It doesn't mean we shouldn't deal with the problem. But again, hype. Where we get we get we we get a, a wrapped around the axle by hype rather than realizing we've been making this mess for decades. When are we going to deal with it? When are we going to deal with it? And one more thought for you before we close out the day. Um, we find out that uh, uh, back in January 2021, the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Eastern District of Arkansas declined to bring charges against the Clinton Foundation. Uh, for alleged, um, I guess, malfeasance, uh, illegal, receiving illegal donations, pay to play, all sorts of things about Ms. Clinton, especially when she was Secretary of State. This led the FBI to close the case. And, and the point I want to bring is, do we truly have a two-tier justice system? In other words, based on the reporting that's been coming out, is it true that there's truly that there isn't enough evidence or is this a political decision? And I have to ask you, do you think men and women went to, uh, fought in World War I, World War II, Korea? Um, do they think they fought in the Revolution War, the War of 1812, uh, the, the Mexican-American War? Do you think we've, they fought and died in all these wars so we would have a class of people that were above the law? I have to wonder. Do you, this two-tier justice system just doesn't seem to be doesn't seem to be supposed to work with with the ideals of of justice of of freedom and liberty and rights and i have to wonder are we doing we the people doing all that we can in order to in order to honor the sacrifice made by others so that we could live in this country under this constitution now listen I don't want people prosecuted for their politics, and I don't want people not prosecuted for their politics. I want equal protection under the law. Sadly, based on the recent history of the FBI and the Department of Justice, I think fewer and fewer people are trusting these organizations. They don't think they're going to get justice from the Justice Department. They think they're going to get injustice. They think the Federal Bureau is more about intimidation than investigation. And that's not. That's, I don't think that's the country these men and women fought and died for. And I think that's what's important about Memorial Day. It's what I want to remember each and every year when this time comes around. It's a time I try to look at myself. I, I look at what I'm doing. Look at what I'm promoting. Look at, look at how I'm living my life and, and asking myself, is this the life that these men and women fought and died for? the ability to live free. And what am I doing to honor that? You know, I'm, uh, I, I keep coming back to the, the movie 
Saving Private Ryan. And if you don't remember the movie, um, Private Ryan was the the one of four brothers, three of whom died, two of them on D-Day, one shortly before, and the, the army wanted to send him home so his, his mother wouldn't lose all four sons in one war. And uh, the, the, the movie ends with a final battle where they're trying to, the, the, the U.S. military, a ragtag group, they're trying to save a bridge. They're trying to keep control of a bridge to uh, prevent the, the Germans from breaking through, from, from breaking through their, their battle lines. And in the middle of this, the captain who had the mission to go find Private Ryan, most of the company is killed. Um, and there's a scene at the end where Captain Miller is wounded, mortally wounded. And as he's dying, he grabs Private Ryan by the shirt, pulls him in close and tells him to earn this. Earn the sacrifice that was made for him. For him, the, the chance for him to live to go home and live and live free. And then the movie, there's a close-up on Private Ryan and it morphs into an older Private Ryan who's visiting the cemetery at Normandy. And he's standing in front of the grave, the grave marker for Captain Ryan. And his wife comes up beside him and he looks and says, tell me I'm a good man. Tell me I've lived a good life. And I think that's something maybe the American people should do this type of year. We should look at our loved ones. We should be remembering those who died so we could live free and ask our, and ask our loved ones, are we good men and women? Are we living a good life? Are we honoring the sacrifice that was made by these men and women? Or are we just rolling along, happy-go-lucky, not caring about anything else except our immediate comfort and happiness? See, that's the attitude that leads to destruction. If all we care about is our present happiness, we don't do the right thing because the right thing's often the uncomfortable thing. It's the hard thing. It's the painful thing. These men and women did not want to die for their country but they were willing to. I have to ask, what are the American people willing to give in order to live free? I don't know. Only you can answer what you would give in order to live free. But it's been my observation over the last few years that I've been doing the Constitution study that there's less and less that the American people will do in order to live free. They are much more interested in living comfortable, happy, safe little lives, have someone else take care of them, than they are willing to live free. Now, I hope you enjoy your Memorial Day. I hope you celebrate it however you celebrate it. I hope you have a wonderful time. I, I, I do hope you take some time to remember what this day is all about. But I also hope you consider coming back and joining me again for the Constitution Study because we meet every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time right here on America Out Loud Talk Radio, heard on the iHeartRadio Network. If you can't listen then, all the episodes go to podcasts generally a day or two after they're heard on broadcast radio. 
You can listen on your favorite uh, podcast app, but do me a favor, subscribe to the show. Give me a rating and a review. It helps other people find the Constitution Study as well. You can find all the links you need right there at the homepage at AmericaOutloud.com. But I'm going to ask you to share them, to share that information. I'm going to ask you especially to share this episode so that more people will consider the meaning of this holiday. And as you go out listening to the, the anthem of the newly formed Space Force, I hope you'll consider sharing not just these words, not just these episodes, not just these links, but the joy and the the future possibilities that you share the actual blessings of liberty with everyone in this great country.